Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thank you for making this show your first listen each day. The Jets are scheduled to play the Jaguars this week. Today, I join Tony Wiggins, the host of Locked On Jaguars for Crossover Thursday. Tony will lead us in on this crossover episode of Locked On Jets and Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's Tony Wiggins here with John Butchko, Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jaguars, John Butchko of Locked On Jets, and we thank you for being here with us today and making us your first listen because you know we are free on all platforms and that's what we do uh what we might not be doing is watching the game sunday and i wanted to get john's information and welcome him in john thank you for joining us tell us man you guys having COVID 19 protocol issues what's going on with the jets yeah tony i think you're right i would be surprised if we saw this game on sunday at this point i think this is going to be one of those games that best case scenario gets postponed until maybe i don't know tuesday or something like that because the jets have a lot of players in the covid protocol right now i think the number is now up to 17 players and that does not include head coach robert sala who tested positive for covid on wednesday it's kind of a reflection of the way things are going in the new york new jersey area the area has been hit really hard by covid cases over the last couple of weeks and the Jets can't really field the team right now. I mean, in it, among the players they would have to put on the field, it's not really an NFL roster. I mean, you look at the offense, right. a bunch of third stringers. The only two safeties who right now would be eligible to play in the game are both practice squad players. So I don't see how this game gets played on Sunday. And this is going to be an interesting test case because the last two years, the NFL has not canceled a single game. And listen, we're Jets fans, we're Jaguars fans, but let's be honest, this is not really a game that needs to be played. I mean, these teams are both near the bottom yeah. of the league. Maybe it needs to be played for draft positioning, but if there was ever a game the league could cancel and not really have to deal with fallout from, this would probably be it, because this is not really a game that's that has any significance at all. Yeah, it doesn't have any. I mean, it was, it, you know, when the draft position was settled late last season, there was a lot of back and forth between, ironically, not Jags and Jets fans, but jags and jets media and uh there was a lot of people in the jets media that they really wanted trevor lawrence and and then when the team decided they were going to win some games down the stretch um shocked me by the way but hey what do you know they started winning games down the stretch and jacksonville was able to secure the number one pick there was just this media blitz to just obliterate jacksonville as a city which i've tried to tell people for years i lived in dc half my life come to jacksonville this is a great place the ineptness of that football team has nothing to do. It's not like, you know, they're, they're bad because we got some dirty water or something. No, it has nothing to do with the people, the climate, the cost of living, the beaches. Hell, just the other day it was 84 degrees in the middle of December. So it's not that. It's just that if you take what's been going on here, John, and put it in New York City, D.C., Chicago, Boston, it doesn't matter. They they would be awful. So um so this this game was really built as the well we got a guy that's better anyway with zach wilson 
and Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about that a little bit. But that's all these teams had to play for, the bragging rights of who's better. And now we see it's still probably the bragging rights of who's worse. Yeah, I think it's been a disappointing season so far for the Jets. I'm sure Jaguars fans feel the same way. Maybe the disappointments are a little bit different. Maybe the pathways they took are a little different. But let me say this, Tony. I was not one of those people obliterating Jacksonville. I've heard wonderful things. I've never been there myself, but it's certainly a place I would love to visit. It's I've heard just it's just a great city, great people. So I want to make it clear to anybody listening to this <laughs> episode, you're, uh, you you should not be upset with me because I was not saying any of those things. Right? No, John, you good. JB, we we you are the cop. No, please, man. We straight on this end. You know, you all the locked on guys are pretty good. But yeah, there's just just this misconception. So it was really fun while it lasted. Guys are, are I think one New York guy called Jacksonville a, a horrible place. He got every picture posted to his account of every sunset at the beach, every palm tree, and they were just mocking them, saying, "Yeah, this is a real, real terrible place here." So no, it was fun, and I think people were sort of looking forward to the fun, but we got mired, no pun intended, into some some crazy stuff so what we're going to do for the people here we're going to come back and the first thing i'm gonna pull a little switch on you because i said i wanted to talk about these quarterbacks first i want to talk about the coaches since i just segued into meyer so what i'm going to do is we're going to talk about urban meyer and robert sala urban meyer is no longer the coach here he out uh, robert sala outlasted him and talk about the differences in the way that these two uh coaches have been perceived and what the actual problem is with Robert Sala and why people are so on him is it just wins and losses. We'll do all of that starting in segment number two here on a crossover between the Jets and the Jaguars in just a second. Well, Tony, I'm sure you don't play fantasy sports to lose. I know I don't because winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. And Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of, of fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your own fate. And with Stat Hero, you're in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head to head is what daily fantasy should be one on one. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. We're here on this crossover Thursday show, Locked On Jets, Locked On Jaguars. I am John of Locked On Jets, along with Tony of Locked On Jaguars. Ahead of what is currently scheduled as this Sunday's game between the Jets and the Jaguars, although Tony and I are skeptical it's going to be happening on Sunday. We're probably looking later. Tony. Both teams, first-year coaches. The Jets bring in Robert Sala in the offseason. The Jaguars bring in Urban Meyer. Lots of excitement, lots of optimism at the time of both hires. I see you shaking your head right now. We've been there as Jets fans before. 
I have to be honest with you. I thought the Urban Meyer hire was great when it happened. I was totally wrong on that. Just talk about, I know there's been a lot in the media, so NFL fans are aware of some of the things that have happened, but can you take us through everything that went into making that hire a failure? Yeah, um, I thought it would work too. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. In fact, before his name was even considered, he was the second name I brought up. I thought I said that they need to be arrogant. Contrary to what people believe, they look at revenue and they think that the Jaguars are a poor team. They're not a poor team. You know, in terms of revenue, they don't own the stadium. It's a big stadium because it's also equipped to whole college football games. They don't create the revenue. They're not last, by the way. ESPN did a chart. They're probably it was like somewhere like 19th in terms of drawing people in. They, they suffer a little bit with local revenue because of the lack of Fortune 500 companies. But Shah Khan is one of the five or six richest owners in the league. So I said, you know what? He needs to put his big boy pants on and make a big splash. I said, I'd go ask Nick Saban. And I know he won't come. But the thought of Trevor Lawrence, him having a quarterback in the NFL, and they had all the salary cap room in the world, a boatload of draft picks. They had two picks in, in both of the first, uh, the first and the third round, and then they had a high pick in the second round. It was a perfect scenario for a coach to come in here and, and do that. And I knew Saban wouldn't come, but I said, it just sends a message that you're dead serious, right? And it lets the who's who of all these coaches know that you are you are fishing for big game here. So um, my next name was Urban Meyer. The problem is, is I thought Urban was a Jimmy Johnson type who could motivate, recognize talent, delegate authority to his coaches. Little did I know that a lot of people probably didn't want to work with him because of his reputation. And uh, that automatically, you know, this is the first thing you think about because now you know from what you've seen in the reports that the people turned on him and they all turned on him. And he, Urban was the last guy to be accountable for anything. It got to the point we start getting caught in lies. He finger pointed and was caught in lies. Even the interview that he did with Ian Rappaport, he admitted that he told them, he said, yeah, take him out, take James out. Let him think about it for a while or something something like that. And he said, we were going to put him back in, but we wanted to make sure he was okay first. Well, he flat out lied for two straight weeks and said he doesn't micromanage the running back rotation. So what he told Ian Rappaport was a total lie to what he had been telling local media this whole time. And he even named, he said, Bernie Parmalee. And you know who Bernie Parmalee is. He said, he named Bernie, he said the running backs coach, uh, that, that's his job. But then Bernie was uh, suspiciously, kept away from the media on Wednesday, the day that he was supposed to talk. You know why I think? I think Bernie's a longtime NFL guy that was going to call BS and say, no, he did tell me. He wasn't, he wasn't going to lie. So if you didn't want him to tell the truth, you just don't let him talk. And then there was stuff about him having plants in the team and certain guys coming back telling them everything. It was a real bad situation, man. It, 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 I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, I said I called him Joffrey Lannister, that little boy that got elected king that was just a total tyrant. I, I started hearing this stuff because I haven't been in the building except on game days because of the COVID protocols and then my, my other uh, activities during the middle of the day. I wasn't granted access to be interviewing. Those are mostly guys that do written word. The problem is, is the nicest people I've ever seen, people that put up with Tom Coughlin, people that never said a word bad about anybody we're talking about him like he was just this worst guy ever and i'm like really so you add that to the losing 
and I just think the the the, the squeeze wasn't worth the juice, and Shotcon had made a an effort to get rid of him. And uh, I, I anything else? I hope I hit it all because I, I know you're shocked and surprised. I have to be honest with you. I was. I thought. I remember. I wrote on my website because the Jets were searching for a coach last year, and I did not think the Jets could get Urban Meyer. But you know, he had ties to the NFL. He was close with Belichick, and I thought, you know what? He's going to put together a good staff. He'll these guys will teach him. He'll kind of teach him how to coach at the. It just it just didn't work. And the thing was like it was obvious to me from afar, like four weeks into the season, that this was over. That you know it was a matter of time. He was not going to be back in twenty twenty two. It was just kind of amazing to me how quickly it all apart for him. He did not know the players' names on his roster. He really didn't have a clue uh, when you asked him football questions. He didn't have a clue. You've been doing this a long time. If a game's 1 o'clock on Sunday and then you meet with the media at 2 or 3 o'clock on Monday, you have some answers, right? No, he said we haven't gone over that yet. We haven't watched it. There was literally no reason for him to come to a press conference on Monday afternoon, 36 hours after the game over, game was over, because he says we haven't reviewed it yet. What? What? No, that's usually reviewed that night. Before you get home, when you lose, he says he hates losing, but he doesn't seem to be a guy that wants to figure out how to stop losing and go through that hard work. I think he just thinks he can just recruit better than everybody else, and everybody's supposed to just do what he, what, what he says, and he takes credit for it. Robert Sala was here and there were fans here a few years back that was like, we kept the wrong guy. When we kept Todd Wash, we should have fired Todd Wash and elevated Robert Sala to the defensive coordinator position. But no, they changed everybody and Sala ended up going and doing a very good job in uh, San Francisco. I thought he'd be a really, really good addition uh, to New York. Give me, give me, give me uh, the synopsis of what's going on with him and why this hasn't seemed to work. And and now I'm reading reports from national people that the folks up there are kind of just not feeling him at all. And, and I don't really get that because I thought they had a long way to go. Yeah, I did too. And let me tell you something, Tony, I'll tell you what you're about to, because the Jets went through this a year ago. Adam Gase was different from Urban Meyer in some ways, but in many ways, his tenure was similar, similar because it was obvious from very early in that, first season that this was just not going to be something that worked out. Now, Gase lasted the second year, but he became very unpopular within the fan base. So they could have won you last year and it would have been met with approval approval from the Jets fan base. Everybody would have been excited just because that coach was not Adam Gase. And I have a feeling that the Jaguar fan base is going to be excited just because you're going to hire somebody who's not Urban Meyer. And that guy will have a lot of approval early on by virtue of just not being Urban Meyer. I agree with you. I was excited about the hiring of Salah. His introductory press conference was really phenomenal. He really came off as an intelligent guy. He came came off as a guy who had a really good plan, who understood how to connect with players, something that was missing under Gase. You mean he didn't it do had, this? He didn't he didn't <laughs> open those eyes like this? You know, that's what Gase thing, did. Uh, that right? is what he did. That is what he did. The only thing I'll say about that is if Gase had won, nobody would ever remember. That's one of those look back on, I think, after you lose, and it's just like one of those things that makes it worse. Um, but I think that Salah, it's been a disappointing year, but in a different way than Urban Meyer. I don't think it's been as obvious the issues that have been there with Salah, and I don't think that you've seen the same state of internal turmoil within the Jets that you saw 
last year under Gase or the Jaguars have experienced with Urban Meyer. And I think part of it's due to the Jets have gone very inexperienced and almost across the board. Um, the youngest roster in the NFL, they don't have a lot of veteran leadership on the field. A young coaching staff, a very inexperienced coaching staff. I was surprised that Salah did not bring in a few more seasoned assistants to round out his staff. I was surprised he did not bring in a former head coach in the NFL to kind of walk him through things. And it's been a struggle. And I think there have been lots of growing pains. You know, you look at this defense. Now, he was very clear when he was hired that he was not going to micromanage the defense, that he wanted to oversee both sides of the ball, which mm. was music to the fan, to the ears of many Jets fans because the Jets fans in recent years have had a lot of coaches who have only focused on their side of the ball. Gase was only focused on offense. Todd Bowles was a defense guy. Rex Ryan was a defense guy. So Jets fans were very excited to hear about this. He brought in a friend of his, Jeff Albrecht. It hasn't been good. And again, a lot, some of this goes back to youth. Some of it goes back to this is not a talented roster that they're still building out, but they play a very simplistic scheme on defense. You'll see lots of cover three. You'll see lots of cover four. Oh, very oh, soft. Yeah. They leave the they leave the flats open a lot. Not that hard to discern. Now, the advantage to this is supposed to be that your players are supposed to know where to go at, at every situation because everything is so simple, but lots of breakdowns in coverage. And I think the biggest issue for this defense is that they aren't doing the things that they set out to do. You know, every scheme has its strengths and its weaknesses. The strength of the Jets' defensive scheme is supposed to be that they're, they're supposed to limit the big plays, and they haven't done that at all this year. They're supposed to be able to stop the run by engaging in extra safety. They've been horrible against the run. So when you can't even do the things you're supposed to do, that's where you have a big problem because every scheme has its weaknesses, but schemes are supposed to have their strengths. Uh, you know, you look at the offensive side of the ball, some of the issues have been with Zach Wilson. You have a very, a very young coordinator in Mike LaFleur who – I think it's gotten better as the season's gone on. I think as the games have progressed, he he was very heavily criticized in the early part of the season. He made a rather publicized move going from the field to the booth on game days. And since right. then, the offense has performed. Now, whether that's the reason, I can't tell you, but the perception is that's the reason. So things have gotten a little bit, little bit better on the offense. But, you know, you look at this Jets team, I think one of the bigger issues is that the last couple of weeks, they've had probably what's been the soft part of the schedule, and their only win has been against Houston. They've lost a number of games. They've looked terrible in a number of games. I think Salah hasn't had the issues Urban Meyer's had. I don't think it's obvious that this is destined for failure the way maybe Urban Meyer's tenure with Jacksonville was from an early point. But I think the most the most glaring issue for Salah right now is that the team has not gotten better as the season's progressed. And yet there have been some injuries they've dealt with, but... I think it was fair to expect more. I don't think many people were a playoff team, a team with a winning record. But if you told me before the beginning of the season they'd have three wins heading into this Jacksonville game, I think every Jets fan would be disappointed. So real quick before we uh, get to segment three, uh, you think Robert Sala's safe, and what about Joe Douglas? I think they get at least one more year and probably two. You know, Next year, if things don't improve at all, they could – be sent packing, but I think that they kind of went into this with their eyes wide open. You know, before the season, Douglas and Salah gave a press conference that a lot of fans did not like because they kind of alluded to this being a building year. They were kind of trying to warn the fan base that the, this was not going to be a season where you could expect a lot of wins. And I think they told ownership that you get the feeling like ownership is kind of bought into their plan. 
So I think they're definitely back next year. I think they're probably back for 2023. Beyond that, it's going to come down to whether or not they make the improvement that Jets fans and the ownership are looking for. All right, and a lot of that improvement will be up to a couple of young quarterbacks for both of these teams in Jacksonville as well as the New York Jets. We're going to discuss that here in segment three on our crossover between the Jets and the Jaguars, and we'll do it in just a second here. After I tell you about where Super Bowl 56 is, and that's at SoFi in L.A., we know who won't be there, and that's the two teams that we're talking about today. But it's less than 100 days away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and fooled by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit on location exp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That phrase right there, Super Bowl on location. That's on location, e.x.p.com slash s.b.56 or, like I said, search Super Bowl on location. And before you make wagers, I know everybody's going to put that parlay ticket in. You got a little while to think about it, and you got to see how the playoffs shape out. You can win some extra skrilla, some extra cash in the in between time by going to Bet Online, who has you covered this entire holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Now, it's really important to do it now with so many guys missing games. You're going to need a tip on some inside information, and Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, which is locked on, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, boxing, UFC, or your favorite casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. All the casino games you find in Vegas are right here. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Do it now. Use the promo code locked on because bet online is where the game starts. Segment three is going to be short and sweet. The final segment here for both locked on Jets, locked on Jaguars, doing our crossover. Let's talk quarterbacks. I'll go first. If you look at the statistics, everyone's you, you got people chirping that Trevor Lawrence may be a little bit of a bust. I don't think he's a bust at all. I think he doesn't have a lot of weapons. I think he's trying too hard sometimes. You still see him being a gamer, and I think that's important because he hasn't been broken mentally. But I do think the dysfunction of Urban Meyer and the coaching staff not being on the same page has hindered him, and if it kept going that way, he was going to be ruined. Still has a big arm, will still show you uh, why he was considered a generational talent with some of his throws. He just needs to be cultivated better. He needs to be put in a better situation. But he does have some mechanical issues. He does have some bad habits that he sort of needs to work out. But it's it's sort of when you watch him play, it's the sign uh, of dysfunction. And you can see the dysfunction in his game. And you can see that he hasn't been properly micromanaged uh, by a capable coaching staff. So that's what the Jaguars are doing, man. They're, they're looking forward to next year. You're hearing names like Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy. You also hear the name of Doug Peterson floated around. 
guys that can communicate well, build a staff of offense that will really, really help them. So that's that's from, from the horse's mouth. That's what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. Don't believe everything you hear is not as bad. I want you to tell me about Zach, how Zach Wilson doing, especially since he's come back from his injury. You know, when I speak with Jets fans, I think there are kind of two camps. There's one that says he's struggling, but you expect rookies to struggle. There's another that says he's a total bust. I don't know that I fall into either of these camps. I'm kind of somewhere in between. Is he a bust after one season? I don't think there's a single quarterback you can say you give up on after one season completely. Are his struggles nothing to worry about? I don't know that I can say that because you look at the relevant statistical comparisons to what Zach Wilson's done as a rookie. They're alarming. I I looked at this a few weeks back. I talked about it on Locked On Jets. There's one good quarterback who's gotten off to a similar statistical start to Zach Wilson, and that's Matthew Stafford. But other other quarterbacks who have posted similar numbers to what Zach's done this season are among the worst quarterback busts in the last 20, 25 years. And it goes beyond numbers, though. I think you look at his game, there's rookie struggles, and then there are struggles that are more alarming, struggles that go down to the basic elements of quarterback play. Now, I got to be honest, I haven't watched Trevor Lawrence as much as I've, I've watched Zach, but when I've seen Trevor Lawrence play, I've seen a lot of struggles that I'd say are rookie struggles or things that you know he'll learn that he'll grow out of. Zach Wilson has issues with the basic elements of quarterback play right now. I mean, he's struggling on short passes. I mean, alarming inaccuracy on short passes. He gets confused by a lot of basic reads. Uh, his footwork is kind of a mess right now. Again, I'm not saying give up on him, but there's going to need to be a lot of improvement this offseason. I mean, I mean, I think it's going to go one of two ways for Zach Wilson. Either he's going to come back next year and he's going to look like a completely different guy. And an example I'd use would be like Jared Goff. I don't know if, you, you know, if fans listening remember how lost he looked his rookie year with the Rams. I know Goff is not like a great quarterback. and I know people kind of look at what he can't do. But if you look at the improvement he made between his rookie year and his second season, I mean, he went from a guy who looked completely lost to somebody who was at least good enough, played well enough to lead the Rams to a division title and a Super Bowl berth the next season. That's one option. The other option is that, you know, he doesn't make much improvement or he makes marginal improvement. And unfortunately, at the end of next season, the Jets have a decision to make. But I think what what troubles me is I don't think there's anything you can really say Zach Wilson can hang his hat on right now. There's nothing you can say he does great at this moment. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we've seen with the Jets – a lot of what you talked about, organizational dysfunction and the way that can impact quarterbacks. We saw that with Sam Darnold over the last couple of years. We saw that. You go back to Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez to an extent, and those guys all had their own issues. And I don't know how much you could blame the Jets. I mean, I think uh, for all three of those guys, they may just not have just done good to begin with. Right. But having seen that, are the Jets great this year? No, but they're not on the level that they were the last couple of years with Sam Darnold. They've given they've given Zach Wilson like something workable here. They've given him an offensive line that's decent enough. Now, not this weekend, but for the most part this season, they've given him an offensive line that's pretty decent. They've given him a, a pretty solid receiving core. Now, again, not this weekend, but for most of the season, they've given him pieces that should be workable enough. It's not a c- complete catastrophe the way it's been in the past with the Jets. So... Am I ready to give up on Zach Wilson? No. Am I going to totally write off his issues as rookie concerns? Also, no. Gotcha. 
Uh, well, the the Jets are currently, I think, missing what nineteen people now on COVID. Is it like 19, 17, 18, 19 people? I think it's seventeen, and then if you don't count Robert Sala, I think it's seventeen players and Robert Sala right now. Which you know, by the so, time by the time you're right. listening, this could be in the twenties because it's you know it's been what's going on all week for the Jets. They've just been adding players. Right. So even if the game goes on, it would appear that the Jaguars should win. Not going to say that because the Texans came in here with a rookie quarterback and they were missing 11 people and they mollywopped Jacksonville and smoked them in their own house. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, But we like to also thank you again for making this your first listen every day. Your second listen should be the Locked on Bets podcast. Very important now to find out this information at the last minute before you make your wagers. And the reason why you have to find out before you make your wagers is because you don't know who's playing and who's not going to play. So here's what you do. Check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and analyst Lee Sterling. They'll break it all down for you. Butch Code has been fun, man, and uh, good luck to you guys the rest of the year, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes this Sunday. Hey, Tony, maybe some year we'll be doing this, and it will be before a game that's like a big game where it's like teams are fighting for playoff position, maybe even in the playoffs. Maybe we won't be doing this fighting for the third pick. Yeah, maybe so. Hopefully it'll go well, man. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Jets. Uh, We'll see you guys. Hopefully we have a game Sunday, but we'll see you guys. And thank you once again for joining us. Take care of each other.